0: Hello, wonderful listeners. Creating this platform is a labor of love influenced by my journey with stage three melanoma, which I was able to discover ways to improve my physical, mental, and spiritual health through this chapter, discovering a purpose to help individuals in a more direct way by donating to Patreon, you're helping wellness by design group to produce quality content, bring exciting guests and improve the show. Your donations and contributions ensure that Wellness by Design Group can keep informative episodes coming and maintain a high standard we all love. We are all grateful for any and all that you do to help. Thank you. Welcome, friends, family, and guests to the Wellness by Design Group podcast. I'm your host, Rob Moffat. I would like to welcome today... Tara Hakala with a master's degree in physical therapy to the Wellness by Design Group podcast. Tara, this day's finally here. We've been talking about this for a long time, yes. and I'm so humbled to finally be here with you sitting across from me. Um, we've been talking about this, and you've been listening to me for hours and hours talk about this opportunity and potential and, and me even wavering whether or not this is a good idea. And You encouraged me to keep going, and the unsolicited... Um, encouragement. So I want to thank you for that. Of course. Thank you for having me. So let's start um, really about getting to know and understand a little bit better about what exactly Tara does in terms of cranial sacrum and there's other components to that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Okay. Um, Well, yes, like you said, I am a physical therapist and um, I've been practicing for over 20 years now. Um, I was first introduced to more manual therapy uh, probably starting in like 2004 uh, mm-hmm. when I took my first myofascial release course. And uh, that class was life-changing. It just introduced me to, uh, you know, manual therapy where you really focus hands-on with your patients. And before that, I was treating two, sometimes three patients at a time in an outpatient setting. I really couldn't, you know, spend time hands-on focusing. Um, so, you know, fast forward now, I, that's what I tend to do the most, is right. just really work on my hands-on therapy. Um, the craniosacral therapy is uh, one technique I, I do every day with, with all of my clients. Right. Um, craniosacral therapy is a gentler touch, and it's uh, treating the bones of the body and the overall goal is to calm down the nervous system so it's treating the when they say craniosacral they're talking about the head the cranium and the end of the spine the sacrum uh, but really you can feel that craniosacral system and, and the rhythm we refer to it throughout the entire body all the bones of the body
0: and that's when you're you're talking about kind of the
1: you know, A rocking the motion. rocking so how it works is our body produces a fluid called cerebral spinal fluid, and that fluid comes out of our brain and, and then is encompassed around the brain and the spinal cord by a sac called dura. And so when our body produces that fluid, you feel an expansion of the bones, and then our body stops producing the fluid, and that the bones go back to their normal, natural position. A lot of people think our cranial bones are atta- are fused together once we get older, but they're actually not fused. They're attached by sutures and so they are constantly expanding and then going back to their resting position. And that motion, I should feel it 6 to 10 times a minute. Mm. It's kind of a rocking motion of that expansion and then back to the resting position.
0: But what's your with all the the patients that you have seen over the years, typically when they show up where is that cranial sacrum
1: it, at? It, Does it, it vary? It, it definitely varies. Yeah. Uh, what I do find interesting is when I see a lot of children, they're often moving pretty well. Sure. And I'm not sure if that's because they haven't had as many traumas in their life, although I know from watching my own children, they're constantly falling and right. bonking into things. Um, I I'm not sure if it's just... Their nervous system has not been taxed as much, and they can self-correct better. Um, but it does vary. There's definitely people that I check, and I would say it's not their craniosacral system that's a problem. It's moving perfectly fine, but maybe they just have tight muscles or something else going on. So um, it is common that it can be off, but but. There's a lot of people that have a very normal craniosacral rhythm. Well, for
0: myself, I feel like if I don't see for a longer duration, I get off. Mm-hmm. You know, versus if I'm you know consistent weekly or biweekly, it seemed like it didn't get off as
2: quickly. Right.
0: But if I'm you know I get like a three or four week gap, sometimes I was off.
2: Right,
1: and I think um, often maybe people have been off. For many years, whether it's from a car accident or a, a bad fall or something, or just clenching their teeth, and and that has shut them down. And often, I can correct it, but if it's really been off for many years, I think our body reverts back to that old position, and so it takes longer for your body to recognize the new correct Yeah, you're breaking again. that system
0: yeah. and, and re-, yeah. you know, re- Coding it.
1: Right. But often it's our day-to-day activities that are making us be off. And so sometimes even if I help to correct it, the person still goes back to the job or the, you know, the stress or whatever they're doing that's pulling them out. Sure. So that maybe hasn't been – we haven't gotten to the bottom of that yet.
0: And then let's talk about a little bit too is how cranial sacrum therapy – you know how it it supports and nourishes the central nervous system mm-hmm. because I think that's important. Because again, it's not just this physical right therapy, right? Really, I mean, it's, it's dealing with the central nervous system and right. all these other systems.
1: So, um, the craniosacral therapy that that I was instructed in was by uh, the founder was John Upledger, and he found through his research and the years that he spent practicing, was that if different areas were compressed, people kind of presented in a different manner. So I think what happens when you talk about the overall health of the nervous system is that if those bones around your brain are compressed, then it starts to affect you where you feel really tired, you don't have the energy, you can't come up with a clear thought, uh, can cause a lot of anxiety or depression. And so... You know, just keeping that cranial sacral system moving will help, should help people overall feel more energetic, happier, uh, able to process things, able to work through their day just in a better manner.
0: Sure, yeah. And then, how does cranial sacrum therapy? Um, you, you talked about this a little bit, but it really does impact the body, mind, and the overall well-being and I think that is again that the healthiness of your natural you know your all systems
1: right and um you know again going back to where I was saying one of the first courses I took was the myofascial release the our muscles attached to our bones and so again if our craniosacral system is not working as it should um often that can impact then the muscles And so, you know, just, again, another factor of, you know, what exactly is hindering somebody? Is it their muscles? Is it their bones? Is it bones in that their joints are tight or is it bones in that the craniosacral system is off?
0: So really it's an exploratory moment, too, when the patients first come because it's not... Usually the issues are very between patients and where you're treating and how you're treating. It's not a a one protocol.
1: Correct. And I think um, I do tend to see more complex, you know, clients just because they're the people that you may have a totally normal MRI, you know, or x-ray, CT scan, um, but that's not going to pick up the restrictions that I'm seeing. I'm not, you know, um, the people don't have a broken bone. It's just that, you know, structures are not moving as they should.
0: Do you, is there some sort of like main principles or underlying philosophy behind, you know, cranial sacrum therapy?
1: Um, I don't know if I'd say there's main philosophies, but I mean, I would say one thing that I do think is interesting is that, you know, John up ledger used to always state that the craniosacral system was the, First system that started moving when you were first conceived, Mm. and it's the last system to stop moving when somebody passes Mm. away. So, the thing that I find fascinating is it's clearly a very important system if it's the first thing that's moving, and yet, I don't think, I don't know, you know, majority of doctors or anyone in this world really knows about it. Well, that, and, that's why I wanted to on <laughs> here,
0: because when I bring it up to some of the, What?
1: You know, yeah, so, yeah. That? So, I mean, it's... it's, and it's a big word, too. It's significant. It's yes. a big word. Yeah. You, you know, know, when you, when you say it's, it. so it's, it's, it's encompassing, you know, that whole area, encompassing our brain and spinal cord, which is, you know, we have to have our brain and spinal cord to live.
0: Absolutely. So. And then through that, you you went and you brought up a little bit of this education of visceral manipulation right. and you know how they, they talk about how emotions are stored in the organs. Right. And so how did you start with that? It? How did okay. you get to
1: yeah. that? So another um, group of classes I've taken is visceral manipulation uh, courses and um, that's treating the organs of the body and, um, and in two different manners. So our organs also have a natural rocking motion that should always be occurring. It's called their motility. And, um, and that motion feels very similar to the craniosacral motion, but you're on the organs. Um, and so with the visceral manipulation, I'm looking both at the natural movement of the organs, but I'm also looking at can the organs move right to left, up and down, or... Is there scar tissue or something adhering them? And uh, with the visceral manipulation, uh, Jean-Pierre is the founder of of those courses. He found with all of his research and the thousands of patients he had looked at that certain organs seem to hold certain emotions. And I have definitely seen that as well. For example, the liver holds anger Mm. and... I have seen uh, patients come in that typically their organs are moving fine, their liver's moving fine, um, but on a certain day it's not. And then, um, you know, I have jokingly even said to people, you know, did something happen at work today mm. or, you know, what's going on? And and it's true. And right. And what's interesting is that often they can just voice the frust- frustration at work with their boss, with their spouse, whatever it may be, and all of a sudden their liver starts moving again. Mm. And, you know, it that one thing, the liver's not their main problem that day, right. and it's not necessarily a life-threatening problem. I often tell people, if your organs aren't moving, it's, you know, this is not, it, you're going to be okay but i do think if day after day after day they're not moving like they should then i do think there's a chance that something significant could start happening
0: yeah it's a, it's a stressor on our body right you know and the organs you know they're yeah. stressed they're going to do something you know, something's going to happen
1: yeah um so sometimes i like to check people's organs and their natural movement and a lot of times people will tell me they don't have any digestive issues which is great Um, But often, even if they don't have digestive issues, their organs aren't moving and don't have that natural motility that I'd like to see. So I'd like to just help encourage it. I have found, again, since everything is interconnected in our body, going back to that craniosacral system, often if people's craniosacral system is not moving, which is... All, controlling all the nerves to our body and our nerves are what's controlling our muscles and our organs. So if someone's cranial sacral system is completely shut down, then I would say 99% of the time their organs are completely shut down.
0: Mm-hmm. It's funny too, that you brought up the you know the stressors and emotional side of this. Is mm-hmm. I, I would assume that it's pretty challenging for your clients to express that right. because they don't necessarily understand the connectivity of that right and so they kind of hold they will hold back because they don't feel like oh this is this is a problem right or this is not connected and so I think that's probably one of your challenges is getting that you know that to be communicated and released from them so that they can have a better understanding of their systems because I think from working with you and all these other various therapists and practitioners over the years I've really learned about more about my body than I ever thought I would ever learn. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wish I did. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a learning, this connectivity, understanding how the emotional state does affect our physical state mm-hmm. and vice versa. Right. And so really it's a challenge to go after both sides of this.
1: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, often just people don't tell me everything that's going on sometimes it takes you know multiple sessions sometimes months sometimes years to have a story come back out that somebody remembers oh I did have a really bad fall down uh, staircase or I yeah. I've had this surgery or that or you know i I had a really stressful time at some part in my life sure um and so that does start to come up eventually as we work through different organs or different body parts that mm-hmm. sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and that you've worked with me and you know you told me my valves are backwards and right. it's like what what is that? <laughs> you know, it's kind of scary, but yeah.
1: yeah, so we do have valves that connect our organs together. And again, those valves should be moving in one direction, which could be because when we eat, we want our food to continue to move in one direction. And sometimes those valves can get stuck. Sometimes they can move backwards or ideally they're moving in the correct manner. And again, there's people where I have felt that their valves are not moving as I'd like and they'll tell me I have no digestive issues, which is great. Um, But I do think... Uh, Again, over time, if they were really off, it it, you know there there could be a problem. The other thing is, I think sometimes people may be having digestive issues and they don't realize they're
0: having. That's what I was going to get. I was going to ask you that because I would I would think that a lot of people don't understand (laughs) what a good digestive system looks like because it's been off for so long. Yeah, and so they just assume that they're okay. Right, and they're not dealing with the the floral of our gut. Yeah, and so and and the interesting part of that, you know, we brought up. You know, how it's so important how our brain is connected to to our organs mm-hmm. and learning how our brain is connected to our stomach. Right. And they're treating gut health both in the brain and the mm-hmm. stomach at the same time, which is very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Not just one. Right. Because right. you might treat the gut and because you didn't treat the brain, you, you're you not going to get a result because mm-hmm. the highway between the two is still broken.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so they have to fix both. Yeah. And then you, you, you have this passion for uh, treating myofascial and skeletal systems, and that's something that I've, you know, over at the time working with you, which we figured out today is probably three years. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it was something I became very interested in because I was able to experience the connection, right. you know, both from your therapies and as I left and did things on my own. So you want to talk about yeah. that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so the myofascial release is definitely a passion of mine and and something you know i use on every single client that i see um so myofascial release myo stands for muscle and fascia is a never-ending tissue in our body that runs three-dimensionally around all of our organs all around and through all of our muscles our bones everything and, and it connects everything together. So that's really where you could stub your toe and end up with shoulder pain because it's it's all connected. Um, the fascia has two components to it. It can be elastic, and it can also be fibrous. And when studied under a microscope, they found that fascia can exert up to 10,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. So you know it's very strong and if it's tight it could really cause damage um
0: what co- what over time is there something that we do or don't do that causes that tightness
1: i think that it's just not moving it through its potential okay. that it gets tight and then once it gets tight it loses its lubrication there is kind of a lubrication around the cells of the fascia and once they get tight they get less lubricated and then I, our cells are always multiplying. Um, and often when they're just not healthy cells, they're just re, now regenerating in an unhealthy manner. So it just kind of becomes a cycle.
0: Is there any connectivity between the fascia being tight and our muscles? being tight? Yes.
1: Yeah. So those, that fascia is running through the muscles and around the muscles and, um, typically when we stretch, people are told to stretch for like 15 seconds, 30 seconds, Uh, but the fascia they've found really needs to be held for about 90 seconds in order to really effectively start to stretch and to see a difference. And so often when people tell me I stretch all the time, but it doesn't do anything, I will ask them, how long are you stretching? And I often feel they're not seeing that benefit because they're not stretching the fascial component. So my explanation I often use is that if that fascia is running around the muscles, I think of it as like casing around like a sausage or Mm -hmm. a hot dog. Mm -hmm. And you could, if you only stretch for 15 or 30 seconds, you stretch the muscle inside. But if that casing is the exact same length, you're not going to... Yeah, it's counterintuitive. And I often will tell people... Sometimes people think stretching is uncomfortable. So if you can only tolerate 15 or 30 seconds, then do it. It's, it. You're at least addressing something and sending some signal to the muscles, and maybe they're also getting a little bit of relaxation, um, but also to recognize that you're not getting that fascial component. And so it's not going to be as effective as it could
0: be. And. For my own testimony of fascial experiences, I can use a massage gun on my calf Mm -hmm. and feel it in my head. Right. I can feel it pulling on my jaw. Yeah. And that to me was just so interesting is how connected it is. Mm -hmm. It's not just local.
1: Right. And and what I have found before is sometimes if somebody really has a lot of pain in their head or severe headaches, uh, sometimes... you know, sometimes if we have a headache, we want somebody to touch our head. But sometimes, if you have a headache, you don't want anybody to touch your head. And so, sometimes you can stretch somebody's legs and give them relief of their headache or neck pain, jaw pain. And when they feel already that they just can't handle any more stimulation to that area that's so irritated. Sure.
0: So, over the years, you treat a lot of clients. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we want to talk about a few of those and, and and what you went through and kind of the, hopefully the other side is a good yeah result.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, one example of the craniosacral work is that I definitely see people that have chronic conditions, kind of like you, that have had, you know, pressure in their head or headaches or jaw mm-hmm. pain for years, but I also see people where it, might just be something new. So um, I recently saw a woman who had a dental appointment just last week and went in for a cleaning and ended up having a cavity, and she needed to get her teeth cleaned, or uh, she got her teeth cleaned, then she needed to have a Mm -hmm. filling. Right. And she said just sitting in the chair, she could feel um, that her head was getting tighter and tighter. And, um, you know, and then... I ended up seeing her a few days later. It had not resolved, but, you know, checking her in her craniosacral system was off and her bones were not moving like they should. So, you know, it was just interesting to see this is someone who went to the dentist feeling fine, left an hour later, and she said her head just felt very tight. She felt like her vision was compromised. She felt like she couldn't, she just felt very tired. Mm-hmm. And then, right after our treatment, you know, sitting up from the table, she, she said, Wow, I can see. I feel like I can see, and I feel so much lighter. Um, so, it's not that every time you go to the dentist, right. you get off. But I think, based again on our overall health, um, we can tolerate things. And some people might not think going to the dentist is a trauma, but sometimes if you're already totally maxed out at home and at work and everything, and running to the dental office, and you sit in that chair. It's just that final tipping, you know. Or they're just stressed because they don't
0: stress. like going to the dentist, yeah, yeah. And that could be part, part of it of. too. And and depending on what happens that day, root canal versus a teeth clean, right. very different, right? I mean, I've had experience with you or I've had dental, yeah,
2: experience, and I could
0: you, and I'm not, you know, I'm not moving, right?
1: Yeah. So. um, you know, that I think is an ideal situation where I got to see somebody just soon after their incident, I fixed it and they felt great, you know, (laughs) um, where I think other people have more chronic issues. And sometimes people have been, um, going through years and years of, uh, you know, migraine headaches or dental implants or different things. Um, and often or sometimes someone has braces and that's a little bit of like, you know, you're, you're this uphill battle because I can adjust them and get them comfortable. But then they are going to next month go to yeah. the dentist, uh, yeah. the orthodontist. And so.
0: But that's um, a way to, to help support, support those. them. Support And I think that's the other challenge is that helping people understand that there are these support systems out there and therapies. Right. Again, it doesn't mean go not go to the dentist. Right. But there's these, you know, and also have the ability to recognize, like your patient did, that going there, she was off. Right. Versus a lot of us would just probably just keep pushing.
1: Or take Advil or Tylenol or something. Yeah,
0: something and just not realize that there is a challenge. Right. And it doesn't mean that the dentist necessarily did anything wrong. Right. They didn't. No. But your body reacts to whatever they did in a certain way.
1: Yeah. And I do think... Sometimes, you know, I do think our body is smart and I think our body can self-correct at times, but I think there's other times when we're just too stuck, um, to, you know, or, and maybe we're just taxed overall our nervous system and we can't self-correct. Mm-hmm. Um, one example, another example I was going to give of good craniosacral therapy, but not with the head or, you know, sacrum is that I was seeing a client that had... Um, she was going through a lot of dental work, getting multiple implants put in, um, but through talking to her and telling her, and I was explaining to her that craniosacral system, and that's what I was treating. And at the same time, I was also telling her I can feel the craniosacral system anywhere in her body. And so she said, I wonder if, if my wrist is off. And she explained to me that when her daughter was a baby... She was trying to fold up her daughter's stroller to put it back in the car, and she couldn't get it to close, and she was pushing and pushing, and then it finally just, you know, kind of collapsed, and she jammed her wrist, Mm -hmm. and she said, I've had wrist pain every single day since then, and she said, and my daughter is 18 years old now, and (laughs) she said, I have been, you know, initially after it happened, and then even years later, she went to orthopedic doctors, and she's had x-rays, and... You know, they've said there's nothing wrong with your wrist, and if it was a sprain, it should have gotten better by now. Um, But anyway, so just at the end of our session, I decided to check her wrist, and and it wasn't moving as it should. When I'm looking at the craniosacral rhythm in the arms or legs, I should feel the whole arm rotate out, like Mm -hmm. external rotation, and then the whole arm rotate in. And for her, her forearm was going one direction, and her hand was going another direction. That in that rhythm that I'm feeling, it's not something that you're physically seeing, but you're feeling it. And um, and so I corrected it. And the next time she came in, she said, "I've had no wrist pain <laughs> since I saw you." And um, kind of like you mentioned earlier, as far as you know, sometimes you may not maintain our fixes. She, I continued to see that woman. Um, for, you know, several years. And overall, her wrist maintained. Uh, it was only if she had done significant amount of lifting or work, you know, someday that she would come in and say, my wrist is bothering. And I, it would still, like, revert back to that old position. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it maintained, a you know, a corrected position. And, and she was pain-free after having literally had wrist pain for, like, 18 years that no one... It could help her with, right. you know. So, and that's
0: that's the other just hope, you know, helping people understand there is hope, right? And and I think that's challenging, especially when you go to um, several doctors and they're telling you that there's nothing wrong,
1: right? Because it doesn't. That's the one thing is that, um, you know, I, I do feel like the myofascial system that I treat and the craniosacral go hand in hand because the muscles and fascia are attaching to the bones and. The muscles and fascia don't show up on any, you know, CT scans, x-rays, MRIs, any of those things that we have now. So, um, you know, often doctors just say there's nothing wrong, but it's not that there's nothing wrong. They, they can't see what is wrong. It's not showing up.
0: Wouldn't it be great in a perfect world that <laughs> they, these two meshed? And when they weren't able to see, they said, all right, go over and see the, right. this individual right. and see if something's there. Right. Again, not putting them in a spot that you don't know what you're doing and that right. you're, you're not, you know, a, a valuable part right. of this, but also, again, just the connectivity between those two worlds mm-hmm. would be pretty amazing. Right. And I think, you know, I, my hope mm-hmm. is that someday it will.
1: Right. I, I, years ago I had a client who had found me through the myofascial release website and her doctor actually had one of John Barnes's books. And he told her, I think that this is what you need. And he actually gave her the book. But he said, I don't know where you should go. I don't know how to find it. But I think this is what's wrong with you. Which I thought was pretty cool because at least the doctor was trying, you know.
0: Well, and I think that's part of it too is, you know, that's great. First of all, that he was willing because that does show vulnerability in his space. Right. That you know, for a doctor to say, "I I don't know what I'm doing here," it doesn't mean they don't know what they're you know their specialty. But when it goes outside of that, yeah. And the fact that he was willing to to put that out there with her, Mm -hmm. I think is a big deal.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I would love to see other doctors. I think that what's my view of the future potentially of all of this is the what the wellness side and the more Eastern therapies and, and therapeutic treatments are getting really loud right now mm-hmm. and so loud that the Western side of medicine is not going to be able to ignore it. Right. And I think, I think that's good. I think that means right. so much more for all of us mm-hmm. because we get a more complete look at our overall system or overall body understanding. And again, I've, I've had an education the last three years right. plus that I never thought I'd ever have. Mm-hmm. Some days, like I said, I wish I didn't because right. I know too much. <laughs> um, but it also helps me navigate through challenges right. that we have in our health. Right. And so I think it's at least having tools and ideas and knowledge is, is important. Having people around you that you can have discussions with, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's you know how I found you was through another chiropractor, right? And she said, "Hey, you might want to go check out Tara. Mm-hmm. She does cranial sacrum therapy." Mm-hmm. I, again, not knowing what that was, I said, okay. "Sure, <laughs> let's go." <laughs> I think that's for me is when I was experiencing. We'll get a little into this right now, but when I was going through this chronic challenge in my, I'll call them my sinuses, and going to any, you know, going to the E.N.T.s several times, getting C.T. scans. Mm-hmm. And again, not knowing what the challenge was. No one could tell me, right. you know, and they—they they, all they wanted to do was give me antibiotics, which I didn't understand why. Right. Because I didn't have anything, you know, could there be a virus in her? I don't know. But again, it was, it was interesting. And so working with Lisa, she recommended I come see you. And really it was, you know, a time for, you know, for you to help me with what I didn't know what it was. Yeah. So maybe you might want to explain from your side as, a, as right. a therapist what that looked like. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, when you came to me, you were uh, complaining of, you know, just feeling you had a lot of pressure Stress, there, yeah. in your head yeah. um, and kind of behind your sinuses and uh, going out to your ears and, and you know, it was a little, some days I'd say it was more localized, other days more global. Um But again, I usually like to start with just kind of the basics of looking at, you know, do you move normally? Does your jaw move normally? Your neck, your shoulders, things like that. Um, Looking at that basic movement, which is as a physical therapist should do, uh, we noticed that you had tightness and you didn't have full range of motion in your jaw and your neck was tight, especially on your left side, your left chest, your left shoulder, it was all tight. Um, and then looking at your craniosacral system at that time on that first visit, nothing was moving. So your entire head was stuck, as I would say, a you know zero percent movement. And then going down your spine into the pelvis and sacrum, they were not moving either. So you know, I would say, you know, I'm, I probably said to you on that day. Mm-hmm. I say to a lot of my clients when I see them that way, is that I. Understand why you're having symptoms. Right. To me, um, the fact that you're so stuck, you should be probably not feeling your best, you know. Um, so I usually say I would like to... I don't know, especially on day one, I don't know that me getting things moving is going to be 100% the answer. But what I'd like to do is try to have you have, you know, a good good posture, where your shoulders are even, your hips are even, Mm -hmm. your head is straight, and you don't have as much tightness in your myofascial system, and your craniosacral system is moving 100%, and at that point, I'm hoping your symptoms are gone. Uh, Now, they may not be 100%. They might be, you know, partially gone. Often, I'll tell people, if you can get relief even for five seconds, that shows that we can get it that way where you can be pain-free 100% of the time. Um, As long as you can get pain-free for a little bit of time, then that tells me there's not something permanent structurally there that would require surgery or something major. If you can be pain-free for a little bit, there's no reason you can't be pain-free 100% of the time.
0: Yeah. And all that tightness really came from stress mm-hmm. and where I carry it. You know, right. I, I always felt like I carried it in my neck and my shoulders. Right. And obviously that would affect my jaw right. and, and working with you. I mean, talk about, um, going through some challenges with the <laughs> jaw work. Um,
1: it can be very tight. I think, I think, you know, majority of people have tightness in their jaw, but they don't really know. And we don't usually poke around too much at our jaw and, as long as you can still eat, people don't realize that they might be slowly getting tighter and tighter. I
0: recognized it because I, when I would eat, mm-hmm. my jaw would crack. Yeah. You know, if I had to open my mouth to a certain degree, mm-hmm. it would crack. Right. And I don't have that Good. as much yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while it'll show up, but not nearly the amount of frequency as it was mm-hmm. before. So I know that my stress is... is it's not carried here as, as much, right. and it's you know, and it's because of the various things. But I know working with you, you've loosened so many things up. My mobility is better. My neck, like you said, is so tight, mm-hmm. and so I just I feel, you know, in a way, looser.
2: Right. I
0: mean, that's the reality. But it, and overall, because of that's loose, my whole body feels looser.
1: Right. And it, I mean, there's definitely you get stuck in a cycle. If, you know, if you have tightness in your neck and shoulders and your, you know, jaw muscles, I think that can create the pressure and tension you're feeling in your head, but then being uncomfortable, you tighten up more, you know, especially when symptoms are in our head, it's easier to ignore something in our ankle, but in our head, we tend to just shrug our shoulders more, tighten more, and then you get in this pattern that just keeps going.
0: Right. Yeah, it's um, it. It does just kind of sit in there, and like you said. It's always there, right? And like even when I'm just relaxing and just you know completely zoning out, watching TV, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And so it never goes away. Right. But again, minimizing it, I do have relief. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, you know to be you know, like you said. I was so tight when I showed up, and I've noticed over the three years of working with you that the symptoms are still there. Mm-hmm. They're less but they don't feel locked up. Right. I felt so locked up before. I, I couldn't... I had no ability to get rid of any kind of sinus, mm-hmm. you know, congestion. Right. It was stuck. And so now it's loose and things are moving. I still have a little bit of pull in my ears, but again, not as nearly as it was before. Mm-hmm. I just think over time, continually working at it, continually doing the things that I'm doing, I mean, I'm hopeful that it will go away. Yeah, I
1: definitely am, am hopeful. And I think... Again, you know, it's just addressing everywhere in the body as we've talked over the years, and and maybe that last percentage isn't even from tightness in your head anymore. It can be right. tightness in your Somewhere calf else. or something, you yeah. know. But that's where uh, you do have to look at the whole body, and unfortunately, I think that is something missed in our medical field, and in my practice of physical therapy, is just we get stuck, you know, just looking at the shoulder, if someone has shoulder issues, and really, you know, you could address that shoulder, and you might give them relief. Sometimes it could be 50%, sometimes it could be 90% relief, but sometimes, and, and sometimes 100, but, but other times there could be some compromise somewhere else, you know, above or below the problem.
0: Well, when- You brought up a story with me a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. about the the woman you worked with Mm -hmm. and her hip flexor. Yeah. And how, again, another thing, very tight, causing a problem somewhere else. Right,
1: yeah. Yeah, so I saw a woman, she's had complained of abdominal pain um, for eight years that has not allowed her to sleep through the night once in eight years. And she's gone to her internal medicine doctor her internal medicine doctor took her case to um, like a doctor's conference and they did a whole case study on her trying to figure out what was wrong. She's been to urologists, neurologists, gastroenterologists. She's been given high dose pain medication, nerve, you know, things for nerve pain. And then the last thing that I think always is given to patients when their doctors don't know what to do is they give them medication for anxiety and depression um, because they don't know what else to do. And uh, I saw this woman and I she came to me because she said to her she had back pain. She didn't even, this is kind of like what we were talking about earlier, but she didn't even tell me that she had this abdominal pain initially. And uh, I really felt just after looking at her, that her back pain was coming from tightness in her hip flexors. And so I was working her hip flexors. And in that, we also started talking about this other abdominal pain that she was having, which I don't necessarily think was abdominal pain. I think it was her hip flexors. And um, so I, I really worked with her for quite a while. And was a little more aggressive than I normally am oh, um, on the, the first <laughs> visit. And oh, okay. especially okay. I thought for you meant woman. hip flexors. Yeah, we, I, no, I, no yeah. I would say, yeah, on the hip flexors. But, yeah, yeah. especially for the first visit and for a, yeah. a woman that's in her 80s. Yes. and um, uh, But I did checked in on her a few days later and just, you know, seeing how she was doing, I was concerned that she was going to be really sore or that maybe I had aggravated something. And when I checked in with her she was so appreciative because she'd actually had slept uh, the first time in eight years. She had slept all three nights since she had seen me. And um, it's now been a month and she has continued to sleep every single night since then. Wow, I wonder what that's like. And I mean, yeah, so that in itself is life-changing. Yeah. Um, But it's also, it's just, it's, I mean, I'm so happy I could help her, but it's so frustrating and sad that She has gone to so many doctors, and the reason the doctors were so stumped is because all of her tests were normal. Her colonoscopies were normal, you know, and her, you know, ultrasounds and CTs and everything was normal, and so that, then the fallout is, well, she must be crazy, so we'll give her medication for anxiety or depression. And it's just, if they would have realized they were missing that myofascial component, we could have addressed this eight years ago.
0: Yeah, and I've learned that years ago when I worked with various people, one of my acupuncturists, and there was another gentleman I was working with. And I learned very quickly that, for like example, if your wrist hurts, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that the issue maybe is not in your wrist. Right. It could be in your shoulder. Right. And so that quickly got to me, that place when something shows up and, and rears its head is it doesn't mean that the issue is necessarily at that point. Right. And so thinking about it, working with the right people to maybe seek that out where that is. But that, I mean, that is a weird and odd way to think. Mm-hmm. We normally think if something happens here, that's where it, right. the problem is. Yeah. You know, if my stomach hurts, then it's a problem with my stomach. Mm-hmm. And, very, and go on and on and on. And I think that's what's important for others to understand that doesn't necessarily mean that. Right. And, but it takes, a, it takes time to explore And that can be frustrating. Right. And it can be, you know, to a point where you don't want to do it anymore. Right. And, you know, especially if you've gone through various doctors and now you're going to various therapies, and it can get tiresome for sure. But I just encourage people to keep seeking, keep looking, find, you know, it doesn't mean that these people aren't doing the job. Right. It doesn't mean they don't know what they're doing. But the body's very complicated. It's
1: very complicated. And I recognize... Uh, doctors as well as all practitioners yeah. are human, yeah. and we can't be experts on everything. Um, I, to your example, of the you know the, the where you have pain may not be where the injury is. I think the most common example people know is that people know like when you have or having a heart attack, you get left arm pain, and so I try to give that example of you know the heart can refer down to the left arm, so it's the same thing with all the organs and the different muscles. They refer pain. Uh, another example is the different muscles in our face, can they actually refer pain to certain teeth. Uh, so I have had clients that have complained of tooth pain and then they go to their dentist and have x-rays and there's nothing there, which is good but they still have tooth pain. And then we will realize that their pain is actually referral from a muscle in their jaw. I've had and, that. And the, yeah, you have. And, and the, you know, I think the important thing is you don't want anybody to go through a root canal or have their tooth pulled that really doesn't have a dental issue. So, you know, it, it is important for... It would be great if everybody, but especially healthcare practitioners recognized that when someone has pain in a certain area, if they knew like, well, what refers to that area and then rule it out that way of what could be wrong.
0: Yeah. And over time, so, you know, we saw each other for a couple of years and then I had my diagnosis, Mm -hmm. cancer. And you and I have talked about this over and over and you know, still unknown, but right. just having the conversation. And I think really it's, for me, it was just, it wasn't about pointing fingers or saying this happened. It was more about, again, being more aware of our systems and our, what happens and right. what that can do. And so going back to kind of you observing me over that time, mm-hmm. you, you witnessed something.
1: Right. So we said early on that you're, tightness was primarily on your left side and then when you got your diagnoses the you know your first biopsy was like the left ear and then you know they were looking at the left lymph nodes in your left arm and so you know we don't know to this day but what I do know is that our body tends to hug a lesion is kind of a saying we use where we our body kind of collapses around an area that that needs help. And so I'm wondering if you were tight on the left side as your body was trying to protect itself and protect that, you know, somehow help the cancer, or is it opposite? Is it that you had that tightness on the left side first, and then because that compromised circulation and proper nutrition uh, to those cells because of the tightness, does that set you up to get, like, a cancer on that side? Um, or are they totally separated from each other? You know, we don't know. We don't necessarily need to know. Yeah. Uh, I like to problem-solve, but yeah. <laughs> but, well, I, think but I think it's good to be aware, and it's just a reason to stay stretching and mobile everywhere to hopefully, you know, allow all your cells to have proper nutrition circulation, you know, everything, all of our joints lubricated, all the stuff that we're supposed to get every inch of our body.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the idea of, you know, again, the connectivity is so important. Um, Working at things all the time is important because again, we get off Mm -hmm. and there's different stressors in our life, different seasons in our lives. And so we have to continually work at this. And, um, you know, I think for me, even, working with you through my immunotherapy and just having some of those challenges and side effects, Mm -hmm. you know, it was really important for me to build a team around me as I was going through that to help support it. Right. And I I feel like working with you, you kept me loose. I think, again, that lubrication because people complained a lot. I had a little bit but not a whole lot of joint pain. Mm -hmm. But there's people that online that are just riddled with joint pain. They can't even hardly move. And, you know, again, there's probably other challenges there that cause that. But again, I wanted to make sure that I had a support team around me, not knowing what it was going to look
2: like. Right.
0: And so I was so lucky and grateful to have met these individuals, Mm -hmm. you being one of them, that I could work with through whatever challenges comes my way. Right. And I think that's the other thing I've learned, too, is that now I have this this wonderful, knowledgeable group around me. That anything that shows up in my life, mm-hmm. I have a team that we can look at it right. and figure out a way forward. And if someone on that team doesn't know, they know somebody else that does right. or it potentially does. Right. And I like that component too is that everybody's willing to bring someone else in mm-hmm. when they get to their limit. Right. And if not, they actually, you know, you research other practitioners I work with, they, they do research, mm-hmm. they look at things. They're always constantly looking outside and trying to learn and bring it back. Right. And I think that's important too, is that we're looking outside of our, our normal box. Right. And I've worked with some people that have gone some very different directions and you're like, okay, but I but I trust them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not gonna it hurt me. And so I just I'm willing to try anything. Right. And I think that has helped me um, because there even working with these various therapies and therapists and practitioners, there's an unknown. Right. But I'm I'm at a place where I'm like, I just want to try it. Yeah. I don't know what the benefit's going to be. Right. But I'll never know unless I try it. Right. And you have to try a little bit. You know, we were talking yesterday is a little bit from someone else is that we, we need to give a little bit of a period of time to try that. Mm-hmm. We can't expect it one visit, one time. Right. I mean, that's like asking, if you want to have another analogy, it's like asking if you're going to take this one um, prescription one time, it's going to work. Right. No, they make you take 30. Right. Um, but again we i think you just have to keep looking at it because again even the practitioners they're learning on the fly yeah, yeah. i mean yeah, when you're I working think. with somebody you're learning about them literally at that moment right and you're seeing how they react and how you know and again like you said they begin to open up maybe a little bit more right. which helps you right but that takes time it takes trust mm-hmm. and that that really for us as a as a patient we want to make sure that that person on their side really understands us right and, again, people are more willing to share versus others, and that's hard. Right. But it's part of the challenge, I think, is getting people to be more open and willing to share. And the other thing is that you're asking people to feel. Right. And that's hard. Right. Because a lot of us don't want to feel. hmm You know, we, especially in today's society, we'd rather be you know, somewhat numbed to everything going on, including our own bodies. Mm-hmm. And I, I know for my own self, too, is having more intuition and more knowledge i said i you know, kid about the there's a little challenge of that is you know i'm fearful when something shows up mm-hmm. it's like oh no now what right you know once i've been breathe through it and work through it it's usually not a challenge it's not a big deal but i think a lot of people have that like oh, i don't want to i mean they have fear of going to the doctor they have fear right. of going and in, in work because they don't know
2: right
0: and and then again knowing what's available Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, the idea of your patient, they're going to a doctor, again, nothing wrong with them, but they weren't able to discover what the challenge was. But the wherewithal to go, okay, I'm going to go look somewhere else Mm -hmm. versus they just live with it. Right. And I think that's the part we want to help people understand that there's, again, there's opportunity and options out there. Right. You just have to seek it. And even as I was going through the immunotherapy, you know, just having that looseness, and, you know, be able to work through the stiffness and the tightness. I, you know, whether it was real or just subconsciously or just a thought is that, okay, this can help the medicine, the immunotherapy mm-hmm. work more. Right. Because my body's able to accept it more, able to work with it better. And, you know, that was something we focused on. Right. right? Whether it was with you, um, working with Maryam on my lymphatics, you know, those are the things that, again building that frame, that structure around me so that when something showed up, I had someone there to help.
1: Right. And I think I gave you this example, even when you were doing the immunotherapy, but uh, I had a client that had got, been getting um, IV nutrition for years. It was something they did before me without, you know, with, through their doctor and they, you know, they liked it, but It was interesting because they brought it up after the fact, after they had been seeing me, that this person had said when they had gotten the IV in the past, they felt like their arm and kind of their chest and head got really hot when they were getting the IV. Like they felt, in their opinion, they felt that's where the IV was going. Mm. And then this client happened to bring up to me and again it wasn't an area or anything I was looking to address but she said you know since I've seen you when I go and get my IVs now I feel it that my legs and my feet get really hot mm. and she was again appreciative and would say like you know I think bec- you know because of the stretching we're doing and the neomyofascial release that it's the IV can now travel through the restrictions in my legs and can like get to my whole body. And, and again, I have no medical proof of that or anything. It's just, you know, somebody's anecdotal story, but, uh, but it is fascinating and something to think about. And she was feeling it and it was consistent. And She did IVs for months, if not Mm -hmm. years before meeting me. Mm -hmm. And then you know, it changed all of a sudden once we had started, you know, treating her. So, um, you know, it's, it's just interesting to know. But I think that, to your point, I don't think my opinion is I don't think it could hurt to stretch somebody. And if that allows a medication or a vitamin to penetrate someone better or be better absorbed in their system... Then you know, I think it's got to be beneficial. Yeah,
0: absolutely. What do you see the the future of cranial sacrum uh-huh. and and the therapies that you work on? I mean, how do you see it? You know, in the future, is it going to be more acceptable? Or, I mean, is that there's going to be change in the therapies? You know, new studies, new right. new practice. Yeah.
1: I I hope so. I hope that that more people are knowledgeable about it, even if they're not necessarily trained in it, but that they know about it. Um, I do know that both uh, John Barnes and John Upledger, the founders, used to always preach that their dream was that every baby when it was born would receive their treatments on day one. And... I've always thought about that, and I always thought that would be so cool, because uh, you know the birthing process is a wonderful experience, but it can also be very traumatic. Mm-hmm. And and I think unfortunately people could come into this world with their cranial bones off or jammed or tweaked, you know, just from the birthing process, and then who knows how long they're stuck they may be stuck like that forever until they seek care in their 40s or we don't know we don't know um but i would love it if people were more aware of it and and were able to just get a treatment not necessarily so much i use the word treatment but i'd like to say more of like a balancing session of just kind of making sure everything is as it should be and you don't have to wait till something's wrong that people would, you know, be more willing to do it. It doesn't have to be every week or even every month, but just have your body checked,
2: you know, is
1: whatever is convenient for you, just to ensure that your system's moving as possible. Um, You know, I would love that it was taught in the school system or something, just a basic, you know, education that everybody knew about our body. That would be wonderful, um, I don't know that that's going to happen, but it would be it would be great. You never know. Um, it's possible. Anything is possible. Yeah. Um, and I do think, you know, one of the things that everybody could do is stretching more at home, and not just stretching that fifteen to thirty seconds, but trying to hold longer stretches up to you know at least a minute and a half, and maybe even for three minutes or five minutes if it's comfortable. Uh, you should never be hurting yourself. But if it's comfortable to hold a stretch, then you're really going to get that fascial system. And hopefully in doing that, the person you know, will have more lasting results. And then, again, that's going to help everything. It's going to take the strain off the craniosacral system, the strain off the organs, and hopefully just provide better overall health, <laughs> mental clarity, you know, alertness, everything
0: yeah that's it's important, and i I would just like you say hope that people understand that there are these therapies out there you know they're again they don't have to be every week, they don't have to be every month, right. but there's opportunity for you to kind of get these checks to kind of keep our systems moving um It's gonna be part of my overall protocol and fabric the rest of my life mm-hmm. um because I see the benefits of them. Right. I'd rather keep up that way versus what you said than I have to deal with it later when something shows up. I think it helps our bodies um, have more resiliency and, and fight the things that do show up. Right. And obviously, as we grow older, there's benefits to all these things, too. Right. Um, if I have more mobility because, because of, because of, that's a huge benefit. Right. And so I think that's the other thing, too. As we age, we really need to look for these opportunities um, because, again, I don't want to be at a point where I'm stuck, literally stuck. Right. And because I didn't look at it earlier, I'll maybe be able to get 10% back Mm -hmm. versus if I'd been working at it, it might only get 10% off.
2: Right, exactly.
0: And then, so to return it back to, I'll call it zero or normal, or, you know, is is much easier Mm -hmm. and probably much more achievable. Right. Uh, Makes your job easier. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it is, I mean, I would say clients that, do actively stretch and take care of themselves um, or, you know, are getting different therapies more frequently. Uh, I can tell a difference in their tissues and it is, you know, um, they're more comfortable, but I can physically feel that tightness is just not so restricted. Yeah. You know, right. and it responds quicker. I think as you get more treatment, uh, your body can respond better to whatever treatment that may be. Um, It just kind of, I think, knows and uh, relaxes easier.
0: I agree. Well, Tara, (laughs) I want to thank you for your time today. It's been great. Again, I appreciate all the work that you've done with me over the years and the knowledge you've given me and the conversations. We've talked a lot of hours um, about many, many things. Um, You've always given me a a level of education, and I appreciate that because i I want knowledge and I'm always seeking it. So I always like working with you. Well,
1: thank, thank you for having me. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I love that you're always seeking knowledge that makes it more fun to work with people like you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. well, have a great day. Thank Thanks. you. I look forward to this ride and encourage you to come along. Hold on.